Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 9, please. John chapter 9, uh, we have been looking at this whole thing about, you know, the man that was born blind, and, and the first thing we looked at was Jesus speaking to his disciples and talking about, you know, whose fault is it? And who can we blame? And then the second time, second thing we looked at was Jesus and, and how Jesus dealt with this man and he, how he healed him physically. And then at the end of the chapter, we see he saved him and he came to this place where, you know, he made this statement, you know, that, Lord, I believe. And it says that he worshiped. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. And we saw his, his uh, faith, you know, kind of go from stage to stage, and God is working in our lives like that too. Now today, we want to look at a little different uh, aspect, and we want to talk about really the Pharisees. You all know what a Pharisee is? Any Pharisees here today? <laughs> you know, a Pharisee basically is, a, is, is technically a spiritual leader of that day, Pharisee. But the Pharisees, you know, they had taken it way, way beyond just being a spiritual leader, and they, they had become very legalistic and very, uh, you know, domineering and dogmatic, and, and really they, they kind of have had really left behind the, what, what the Lord had in mind, what the Lord had planned. And so Jesus deals with these Pharisees. Jesus deals with his disciples. Jesus is always at work, right? He's dealing with his disciples. He's dealing with this man, this one individual man and working in his life. But he's also dealing with these spiritual quote-unquote leaders and he wants to speak to them. He wants to work in their lives as well. The man had shared what had happened to him with his neighbors and with other people, and now he's going to speak to the Pharisees, these religious leaders. Now, keep in mind uh, that this, this section that we're looking at today is before we jumped ahead last week when he made the statement, Lord, I believe, and, and, and he worshiped. So what, what we're looking at today is taking place before that statement, but he still had, this man still had some kind of faith happening in his life and in his heart. And that's what we're going to look at today. He says this. He says, one thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And you see, that's just black and white, right? And I've done that for a reason. It's just black and white. One thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. And that's very important when we look at this this uh, detailed account of what happened between this man and the Pharisees. We're also going to think about this running throughout this section is the contrast between how the Pharisees deal with people and how Jesus deals with people. Very different. They're supposed to be spiritual. They're supposed to be representing God, but they're not. They're not. So let's start in verse 13 where we left off. This man had, again, had been healed, and he'd been spreading the word around. And it says, it says, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. So they, they 
brought him, and when it says they, speaking about the, the neighbors and people around that, that were around this man, they brought him to the Pharisees. And I was thinking about this. Why did they bring him to the Pharisees? Why would they do that? Why would they need to do that? Is, import, is it important that they bring him to the Pharisees? You know, I, I thought of three different, three different reasons. One, number one is, you know, we got to tell them. They're going to want to know. They're going to be so excited, so happy because this man was healed. Did that happen? Or maybe this, we're not sure about what happened here. We don't really understand it, so we need the expert's opinion. We're going to go to the experts, the spiritual experts, and we're going to ask them about it. Was that helpful? Or maybe some of them, maybe, were like, like some of the Pharisees, as we'll see, it wasn't all of them, who said, you know, how dare Jesus do this on the Sabbath day? Because that was a big problem. How dare they do this on the Sabbath day? Again, keep in mind, you know, how the Pharisees are dealing with people and how Jesus had already, has already been dealing with this man and how Jesus had been dealing with his disciples. Verse 14, it says, Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. They asked the man. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. You'd think that that was awesome. I mean, he said, now I see, like, this is a man born blind. We've seen this from the very beginning. A man blind from birth, now I see. I think that's a cause for a party, right? A cause for rejoicing. Hey, something radical has happened in this guy's life. Let's, let, you know, let's, let's sing another song. You know, let's, let's have a party. Let's rejoice. And you would think that that would be something that would happen. But is that what happened? Verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, not all, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Some of them had this attitude, he's not from God because he did this on the Sabbath day. What did they care about? Did they care about this man at all? They had no, you know, Jesus, we see from the beginning, you saw this man. He went and he healed this man. Later, he, at the end of the chapter, he went and found this man. You know, Jesus is loving on this man, and what are the Pharisees doing? Judgmental. But again, keep in mind, it's not all of them. But they say this, this man is not from God. He, he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Now, again, uh, when you look into it, uh, you know, you find that these Pharisees and these experts, these teachers of the law, had taken the law and they had added like hundreds of, hundreds of rules that they had made up. Let me ask you again, are there any Pharisees in here today? I want you all to turn around and see that one hand. 
Are you really a Pharisee, Larry? He's a closet Pharisee. I mean, he's legalistic. He's got to tear into people. Well, that isn't right. Well, they didn't do that right. One of the words we hear over and over is, how did they do it? How did Jesus do it? How did it happen? Because it wasn't happening according to their way, what they, how they thought it should happen. You know, there's only one person that admits to being a Pharisee, but you know what? Ah, I think, I think we all have this tendency to, to kind of go down that route where we want it to happen the way we think it should happen. You know, and if, 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 if it's not going the way that we think, we're, we kind of get a little bent out of shape. The second group, though, they said in uh, verse 16, but others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? Like, are you kidding? Do you, do you see what happened here? This man who was born blind, blind from birth, he can see now. You know, what are you saying here? He's not even from God. This isn't even from God. Well, what, what, are, what are you thinking? And it says they were divided. They were divided. You know, when you, look, when you look even just through this gospel, you see that Jesus has a way of polarizing. You know what that means? It means you, you end up with somebody over here and somebody over here. And Jesus has a way of, of, you know, causing these kinds of things to happen. But the truth of the matter is, either you're with him or you're against him. You're either with him or you're not with him. It's, it's one or the other. You can't, you know, you can't be both. You're either following him or you're not following him. You're not like, well, I'm, you know, I'm over here doing this in the world and I'm, and, and I'm following Jesus over here on Sundays. That's not how it works. We are either followers or we're not followers. Verse 17, finally, finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. I mean, just the way they speak to this guy. There's no grace. There's no mercy. There's no love. There's nothing in there. They turned again to this blind. What are you, what are you going to say about it? It's your eyes he opened. That's like an attitude. And, and the man replied, he said, he is a prophet. He's a prophet. Now, they could understand what a prophet was. They, they studied the law and the prophets. And the prophets would be, you know, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah. And, and, and so this man said, well, he's a prophet, obviously. And to be a prophet was someone who was sent by God. The other group said, you know what, he is not from God. This man said, listen, he's a prophet. He's definitely from God. And there were prophets, not all, but there were prophets who God used to do miraculous things, right? People like Elijah, people like Elisha. He says, I don't know, I don't know everything, but I know that he's a prophet. He's got to be. Verse 18, the Jews still, despite looking at this man, and this man is looking back at them, right? And, and you can tell when you're looking and speaking to someone if they can see you, right? But they still did not believe that he had been blind. 
and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. We're going to, well, we're going to go to the parents. They didn't get what they wanted from the man because, again, they wanted what they wanted. It didn't matter what the truth was. So we're going to send for the parents. Let's go to the parents. Verse uh, 19, they asked him, Is this your son? Let's start at the beginning. Is this your son? It's like, is this the one you say was born blind? Is this the same guy or, or, you know, did he have a twin? One that was blind and one that wasn't? Like, and then they ask, how is it? How is it that he that now he can see whoever this guy is? We, we're not sure he's the same guy, but what you say that he is. How is it that he can now see? Verse uh, 20, we know. We know. This is a word that I find used often in this chapter. And I was talking about that, and I have it here. One thing I know. He said, the parents said, we know he is our son. Like, you know who your kid is, right? We know he, yeah, he's definitely our son. So far, so good. The second question, we know he was born blind. I mean, how could you forget something like that? How could you not know when, you know, you, again, you have a child, you have a baby and something, you know, tragic has happened like this. The child is born, you know, the child is blind. But, but look at verse 21. It starts to get a little bit muddy, doesn't it? Talking about mud. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age, he will speak for himself. We don't know. Did they know? If your kid was blind from birth, and now he's like looking at you and he's telling you, you know, man, you're older than I thought you were. You look old, you look a lot, you know, bigger, you know. Man, I thought you had hair, but you know, all he's seeing these things, and then now you, you would ask, you would ask, like, well, what what in the world happened to you? Wouldn't you? I would. If you know, there's this huge change in one of my children, I would go to him and say, like, what happened to you? And, 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 and so, did they? I think they did. We, we see the truth here. Why didn't they answer then? Verse 22, it says, His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. They were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid they would be put out of the synagogue. Now, what does that mean? That means to be basically excommunicated. That means put out, put out from Jewish society, put out from the fellowship. Uh, you know, if this happened to you, your family would 
completely disown you. They would treat you as if you were dead. Your, you, you know, your friends could not speak with you. No one would buy or sell from you. You, you, you know, this affected you in every single way. They would, you were not allowed to go to the, the synagogue or the temple. You were not allowed to worship. This is no little thing. You, you say, well, you know, why did they have such a problem with it? Why? Because it would affect their whole life. You know, let's give them a little bit of grace here. Why were they waffling on this point? Now, they didn't exactly say that Jesus didn't do it, but they didn't say that he did do it. They said, well, go ask our son. Go ask him. He's, he's old enough. He can speak for himself. But you notice here this thing about how the Pharisees treat people, how religious leaders, the Jews, the religious leaders, the leaders of the Jewish people, they use fear and intimidation. Fear and intimidation. And, and, and that's not the way Jesus operates. He doesn't act like that. He doesn't treat people like that. Fear and intimidation. You know, it, it affected uh, even the leaders even amongst themselves, there were some. It says later, we won't turn there now, but in John chapter 12, it says that at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith. For fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved praise from men more than praise from God. They loved praise from men more than praise from God, you know. Uh, you know, I can, you know, sympathize with these parents. We're going to see that the man has quite a different take on the whole thing and the how he speaks is very, very different. But, but the fact, isn't it a little bit challenging to you and I? The enemy of our faith wants to put fear upon us. The enemy of our faith wants to, you know, say that, you know, this will happen to you and that will happen to you. And the truth of the matter is that our witness for Christ might bring some kind of persecution into our lives. It might. Now, for a long time in our country, that hasn't been the case, but I think more and more, it's becoming that way. If you stand up for your faith, if you stand up for your faith in Jesus Christ, you might, your life might be affected. Maybe not at this point in time as radical as what would happen to these people here. But Jesus said something about, if you confess me before men, what did he say? I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me, says the opposite. We need to be careful that we're not put by fear and intimidation by the world around us, by even spiritual uh, entities, that, that, we're not, that we're not afraid to stand up for our, for our faith in Jesus. So they go back to the man, verse 24, a second time. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. They, you know, and they, they, they said to the man, give glory to God. Now, that statement you know, is made to kind of tell him to speak the truth. Tell us the truth. 
Speak the truth, they said, because we know this man is a sinner. First they said he's not from God. Now they say he's a sinner. We know this man is a sinner. Again, notice that word know. We know. We know. Did they know? Talk about guides. They were the blind leading the blind. Blind guides. Jesus said you are blind guides. You're supposed to be teaching people, leading people, and and you're you're so blind you have no idea. At the end of the chapter we're going to look at uh, next week, he speaks to them directly about their blindness. Jesus confronts them directly about their blindness. They say, we know. We are the authorities. They're kind of, you know, trying to tell this man what he should say and how he should say it. Verse 26, then they asked him. Excuse me, verse uh, 25. Sorry. He replied. They told him, give glory to God, which they were not doing anyways, right? They were not acknowledging the truth. Give glory to God, speak the truth. But he replied, he said this, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Again, the man, the man was kind of on a journey, and he, he didn't know all about you know, who Jesus was. We're, we saw that at the last part of, this, of the chapter. We looked at that last week. He didn't know everything. He didn't know it all. The, the Pharisees were like these know-it-all. We know. The man said, I don't know. I don't know about that part of it. I'm not, you know, that's, I don't know, but that's, that's not really that important. What is important, what I do know is this. I was blind. I was blind, but now I see. I mean, when you, when you look at that phrase and when you think about what's going on here, like, how could they even be asking these types of questions? Why are we, why are we talking about this again? Like, I know. It's not like I'm trying to figure this out if I can really see. I know. I was blind, but now I see. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? That's a pretty definitive statement. That's a pretty clear statement. This is, you know, there's no waffling around. There's no, you know, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that, so I'm not going to tell you what I do know. He says, I know, I was blind, but now I see. The parents held back, but he did not hold back at all, right? He said, I don't, you know, whatever the parents say, are parents perfect? Yes, they are. What's wrong with you? Just because your parents are not going to confess Christ, that doesn't mean that you should not confess Christ. Listen, I don't know what you're talking, I don't know where you're getting at, where you're going here, but but I was blind. I know this. I was blind, but now I see. A couple of weeks ago, I in chapter eight, I, I pointed out there's a different word used. And Jesus said, you know, he was speaking to you know, people, he said, you don't know him, speaking about God the Father. He says, but I do know him. 
but, but there were two different words, and one was, was this idea of, of ginosko, which, you know, you don't know him, you, you, you come to know him to, you know, by experience, to learn to know. But he says, when he said, I know the Father, it's a different word, which means to know inherently, to see, to truly know. That's the word that this man uses here now. I truly know. This is what I truly know. And, and, and interesting about this word, it's E-I-D-O, Edo. 314 times, it's used like, uh, you know, over uh, close to 600 times, but 314 times it's translated as see. I see. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? When you think about what he's saying here, because he uses a different word, word in the end, he says, one thing I see I was blind, but now I see. His eyes were opened. It makes me think about, and this is kind of the heart of what I, what I feel about this, this passage here and, and why I'm focusing on this particular phrase so much is, is there's something about having this knowing Second Timothy 1 Timothy 1.12, Paul said this, I know whom I have believed. He uses that same word, I know. There's no question, no shadow of a doubt. I see. I know whom I have believed. And he said, I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I know him. You know, we may not know everything, this man did not know everything, but he told what he knew. He wasn't afraid to say what he knew. And, and you and I, for us to tell what we know, well, you know, I, I'm afraid to tell anybody anything because I don't know everything. I don't know enough. I can't say enough. I don't have enough, uh, you know, background. I haven't been to Bible college. I don't know enough Bible verses. What do you know? Do you know that you're one of his children? Do you know that he saved you? Do you know that you belong to him? I remember when, when uh, we used to say this when uh, years ago, we used to say that you, that you know, that you know, that you know that you're one of his. If you're not sure about that, I think you need to come to the place where you are. You need to know. Not, well, maybe I am, and if I just keep doing a lot of good things, I'm going to get into heaven, so I might be. That's kind of like how we kind of think. He says, one thing I know, I know. I do know this. I was blind, but now I see. Do you really know that he loves you? Do you really know that you're going to heaven? Do you really know that? It's important, very important. I know whom I have believed, Paul said. What's the most famous hymn of all time? Amazing Grace, and what does he say in the very first verse? He says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, but now I see. That's a statement about the grace of God, but it's a statement of faith. I, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm home now. I, I, you know, uh, I, I'm a recipient of the grace of God, of the love of God that He's lavished upon me, as we saw in 1 John chapter 4 at the festival. We could just stop right there. Let's just sing Amazing Grace like 500 times. I was blind, but now I see. You'd think that would be enough. Shouldn't that be enough for these guys? Shouldn't that be enough? Verse 26. Obviously not enough. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Like four times they ask how, 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 how. Verse 27, the man answered, I have told you already. Can you kind of hear his voice? And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And then he says these words, do you want to become his disciples too? Do you want to become his disciples too? You know, is he exasperated? Is he being sarcastic? Or is he just totally on fire? I would like to say he was just on fire. Like, you want to be his disciples too? But, but I'm afraid that that's probably not what's happening here. And I think he has to be careful to speak the truth in love, right? Sometimes people ask you, like, rude questions, like, you know, and they get, like, asking you stuff over and over in, 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 in a kind of a mean way like these uh, Pharisees were doing. But maybe... There was a chance. I mean, in in that statement, do you want to become his disciples too? It tells us that he also believed that Jesus was worth following because a disciple is a follower. Do you want to be a follower of Jesus too? Like, that's what I'm thinking. Warren Wiersbe said this. I, I love it. He said, I can imagine the man getting quite impatient at this point. After all, <clears throat> excuse me, he had been blind all his life, and there was so much now to see. He certainly did not want to spend much longer in a synagogue court looking at angry faces and answering the same questions. <laughs> I love it. Certainly. Like, I don't have any more time for you, Pharisees. Listen, I was blind. Can't you see what's happened in my life? And I've had these kinds of exchanges with with some of my family members. Can't you see? Like, I'm trying to tell you, Jesus changed my life. It wasn't me. I'm not the good brother. I have a good father and a a good brother in Jesus, yes. But Jesus changed me. I was blind. I was lost. But now I'm found. Now I see. 
So at this point, they all knelt down and prayed to receive Jesus. The revival broke out amongst the Pharisees. I wish things would have been very different in that day and that age. Verse 28, then they hurled insults at him. And they say, you are this fellow's disciples, a disciple. He said, we are disciples of Moses. We know, again, that word, we know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he came from, where he comes from. They hurled insults. Someone said, unable to refute the evidence, they revile the witness. And I guess that's kind of a, a common thing in courts, right? If, if the, you know, you can't fight against the evidence, but you can, you know, destroy the witness or try to. Any lawyers here today? Closet lawyers? Yes. <laughs> uh, you know just how to go for the jugular. Verse 30, the man answered, now that is remarkable. Man, I'd, I'd like to meet this guy, you know. He's, he's not backing down, is he? He's not, you know, he's not intimidated by these guys. He said, listen, I don't care what you say, how you threaten me, what you think. I was blind, now I see. He says, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes? I thought you guys like no stuff. He said, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. And look at verse 32. This is a very powerful statement. He said, nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. This is unprecedented. He said, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This is unprecedented. Can't you see this, was, this has never been done before? And again, in the, op in the opening statement last week, I believe, you know, it spoke about, I spoke about the, the prophecies that said that Messiah, that he, that he would come and that he would open the blind's eyes. And that's just what he did. Can't you see? And I think the man is really preaching now, don't you? He's really preaching at these guys. He doesn't care. He's not, you know, he's not caring about, you know, the, you know, the praise from men rather than the praise from God. He says, I was blind, but now I see. This man, he did it. This man, Jesus, did it. In verse 34, to this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. That's unbelievable. They threw him out of the synagogue. Did he care? Would you? Yeah, your life's going to be a little bit difficult, but you, know, you were blind, but now you see. You were lost, but now you're found. It's like for us in our, in our walk with Christ, you know, yeah, it, it could get difficult here in this planet. It could be some persecution, but, but you know what? We're going to heaven. Our, our, this isn't our home. We have a, a future. 
To live is Christ, to die is gain. Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted in the Sermon on the Mount. They threw him out of the synagogue. They excommunicated him. Their pride, their arrogance, retaliation, it's insane. So, thinking again about this contrast, about how Jesus had dealt with this man. We looked at that last week. He loved him, right? He cared for him. He healed him. He saved him. That's, that's what Jesus did. What did these guys do? They belittled him. They intimidated him. They, they hurt him. They abused him. And, and then they finally they threw him out. They cut him off. They cut him off. That's pretty sad, isn't it? Could that happen in a church today? Afraid so. Human beings. Sometimes we look too much to human beings and what they say and what they think rather than to what God says, what He thinks. Many years ago, there was a book that I read that was called Churches That Abuse. Any of you ever heard of it? And you know what? The stories that were in there were, were just heartbreaking. Churches that abuse it. Churches could, could hurt people in this way. And sad to say, it still happens today. Now, you know, is there a perfect church? No. Is there a perfect pastor? Well... <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> oh, man, I'm starting to sweat. <sighs> but, you know, we have to be careful and make sure that we're not, we're not going down the path of the Pharisees, religious leaders who care more about our own image and, and more about what we're doing than what about, about what Jesus wants to do. We've got to follow his lead and do what he wants. What draws us? What draws people? Paul said in, in Romans chapter 2 that it says that God's kindness leads us. God's kindness leads us to repentance. So, one thing I know. What do you know? He said, I was blind, but now I see. One thing I know. One thing I know, I don't, I don't have all the answers, and the, the longer uh, that, I, that I walk with Jesus, the more I, I realize how little, how little of the whole picture I really know because the picture gets bigger and bigger and bigger the longer I follow Him. But one thing I know, God has done a work in my life. God has opened my eyes. God has saved me. God has healed me. And, and, and all I can do is, is, is share that story with people. I, I can't, you know, I don't have the, you know, the, the, the 24 steps of how to lead someone to Christ and make that all happen. All I know is that, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's all I know. And when I look at my life and I, 
you know, I look, I see all the failures. We do that. We look and we see all the failures and mistakes we've made along the way. But, but when you look at the big picture and you see that, that Jesus did a work in your life, in my life, and Jesus has taken me home to heaven, that's what I know. I know that. That's all I know most of the time. Shall we pray? Okay. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your son Jesus, uh, the Savior of the world, the, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who was the answer to all our needs and all our problems, all our issues. And, and Lord, we, 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 we bow the knee before you, Lord. May we not be caught up in pride and arrogance and thinking we know. We know it all. No, we, we just know one thing is that you've loved us enough to, to come and, and die on a cross for me. That's all I know. That you were buried and you rose from the dead and, and you died for me and my sin and you rose from the dead to, to pay the price and to conquer death. Jesus, we surrender to you today. We we surrender. I pray, Lord, you'd give us opportunities to be bold for you like this man was. Just in the people around us, our neighbors, our family, our friends, and, and even those people who would come down on us would say, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I know something. That God, you are real. And you have changed my life. You've changed my life. And, and you even forgive me when I blow it. Lord, I pray for each person here today. Lord, I, I don't know what stage, what place in life each one of us in this room is, but, but you know, you see, you perfectly see each one of our hearts and our lives. You know exactly what's going on, exactly where we are. So, I, Father, Father, I pray you'd, you'd meet us where we are right now today. Heal us. Open our eyes, strengthen, and do what needs to be done in us today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we, one more time. <clears throat>